Hey everyone! Today we're going to open another little package that I got in the mail. Before we do that, I also wanted to show you this cute little postcard that a subscriber sent me of Washington DC with the Potomac River here on the side. And you can see the straight lines of how the city was planned with some cutting through to these squares I was really happy to find that there's such a neat little thing as you can see I already poked a little hole in it because I put it up in my hallway so big thank you for that and then here we have some maps that are a bit bigger these are from Rachel was from New York and she wrote that she recently went on a trip to the Grand Canyon and would love to share that with us I'm super happy about that I really love these two maps And she also included this beautiful card. Look at that. Isn't that gorgeous? So, big thank you, Rachel. open it I think it'd be cool to look into where the Grand Canyon actually is I'm sort of familiar with the US but you know if I had to dig out these parts blindly on a map I don't know if I would manage so it's briefly and we are right here there's the Grand Canyon 
we're in Arizona but not too far from Utah, New Mexico and Colorado which have these very straight borders here little cross in the middle the river that runs through is the Colorado River there's Lake Powell here then we're not too far away from Las Vegas and there we go down into the Gulf of California you can see here it says Colorado Plateau meaning the entire area is higher than for example if we look further east green means we're quite low and these shades of brown means that this has risen and then the Colorado River kind of cuts through also a little information on the history of the region we can see here in this corner so a schematic map of the different cultures around 1500 and you can see here it says Navajo Pueblo area around the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon and the color green means that these were uh, farmers and here around in yellow these would be hunters and gatherers and fishers during the colonial period you can see New Spain not quite reaching up to the Grand Canyon and then over here you can see this part here lined in blue became part of the US in 1848 and he was Mexican beforehand so very brief look at the history of the area I really like this atlas but it's made for Austrian pupils so the part in the Americas special But luckily we have more detailed information in here So here we have 
take your mat on one side and then we're moving here along the river through the canyon disappearing between the rocks lies much deeper it's the marble canyon then up here we get to Lake Powell We have a squirrel up here with a fluffy tail. Estella's Jay in beautiful blue. Some supple pine fur. the Engelman spruce so let's see what it says here the Colorado River begins as a trickle of meltwater High in northern Colorado's Never Summer Mountains. Is that a beautiful name? Never Summer Mountains. Streams and tributary rivers increase its size and volume until it reaches Lake Powell, created by Glen Canyon Dam, completed in 1963. The lake traps most sediment carried by the river, so the water released from the dam base is clearer. It's also colder. Grand Canyon's native fish are adapted to more sediment and warmer water. As a result, they cannot thrive today. So it changed parts of the ecosystem here. You have different fish than in 1963. And then on the other side, where the river exits the park, near the park's western edge, the Colorado River flows through the Grand Wash Cliffs, which you can see here. Here, the Hoover Dam, and completed in 1934, impends the river to create Lake Mid, which is here, just after the cliffs. Water from the lake is used for recreation and is also sent to major cities, small communities, and agricultural areas throughout California, Nevada, 
Narasona. we see a beautiful image of the Kaibab Plateau which would be here and if you look closely you can see here is this Grand Canyon National Park boundary there are a couple of national parks in the area around the canyon as well as Indian reservations And the Kaiba Plateau is at the North Rim, which is at a higher elevation, about two and a half thousand meters or eight thousand feet. So that is super high. As a result, it has more precipitation than the South Rim, to so the southern part here. The temperatures are cooler and the forest thicker. The southward tilt of the land directs water to side canyons where sharp, narrow landforms result from the increased erosion. And also interesting on your approach through the Kaipa Plateau through, through here, you'll pass through some fire-blackened wooded areas the people began to suppress fires in the 1900s, dense undergrowth accumulated and became added fuel. Though native ponderosa pines and other species are adapted to withstand lower temperature fires, many trees succumbed when fires began to burn hotter and longer. But now the forest composition is changing again. On the south rim, we have, for example, juniper trees, which survive with less than 15 inches or 38 centimeters of rainfall annually at this elevation, where still over 2,000 meters, 2,133, so about 300 meters lower than at the north rim, or a thousand feet. These trees have tiny leaves to minimize the surface area exposed to the dry air. Yucca's thick waxy leaves conserve the moisture that their muscular roots pull from the south rim's dry, rocky soil. It's a bit of a funny image, but I'm, I guess I'm misunderstanding what muscular, leaf, uh, muscular roots are. There's also some information on trails, but we'll have a look at that with the other map. So you can see here, that's the Grand Canyon National Park. Here in the south, we have the Hualabai Indian Reservation. To the west, the Navajo Nation Reservation. Here's a two different sets of national monuments, another preserve, a 
National Recreation Area Little National Park up here So much of this area is protected But you still have a lot of visitors If I remember correctly There's about 5 million visitors per year 80% of which are from the US Here on this side, there's a beautiful picture of what this landscape looks like With the river here Cutting through the rocks And looking at these photos I feel like I'm probably not the right person to really give you an impression of how stunning this is I don't know too much about geology But these here are millions of millions of years of Earth's history That you can look at We get some impression of it over here and just look at how steep that is That's the Colorado River At the bottom and You have this steep, steep increase here All the way to the top And here we have these different layers of sediments Kaipap formation, Toroi formation, Coconino sandstone, Hermit formation, Supai group, Redwall limestone. Here's an unconformity, and a little below there's another great unconformity. So look at what that means. And if you look here on the side, let's just turn this for a second So you can see a little better So this part here, all the way down to the Great Unconformity Is 541 to 252 million years old So 500 million years ago here To get to the Great Conformity but then, just below, we jump 200 years and we are at 732 million years ago So 200 million years are missing in terms of layers That's what the Great Unconformity is And if we look all the way down we hear it almost 2 billion years ago I'll be honest, I have a hard time really picturing what that means I think that's, for a lot of people, that's beyond what we can really comprehend in terms of time frames and of course, human history in the area 
doesn't really go back that far. But even that is really impressive. So we know, for example, that there were some hunters here about 11,000 years ago. They were probably going after large mammals, such as mammoths or deer and bighorn sheep. forages something like 12,000 to 9,000 years ago a basket maker culture about 2,000 years ago who might have taken refuge in the canyon close to the river when the climate became warmer and drier we have dwellers 1,500 years ago the Puebloan people who farmed along the canyon rims and deltas and the combination of masonry rooms, pottery, tools and hearths showed that some people not only hunted and foraged but also lived full lives here You can see some archaeologists digging here artifacts from 2006 to 2009 some excavations were happening in the park which doesn't happen too often and today 11 traditionally associated tribes continue to live in or use the canyon for trade to collect plants, minerals, and other traditional materials and for ceremonial purposes So that's one map on the Grand Canyon here we have this little pocket map specifically for the south rim that's from the National Park Service US Department of the Interior one's a little more handy in terms of size here in the slide we have some information on the shuttle buses there are four different routes and on the distances and when I looked through this I thought you know sometimes you come across these online discussions where people try to compare European countries and the US and there's a bit of a back and forth and a bit of a quarrel and US Americans will often say that Europeans kind of have no feeling for the distances in the US and I thought it's kind of weird because everyone knows it's a big country but I looked at this, this was the first thing I looked at out of these maps and you can just see here this you know, all of these bus routes 
There's the trails that you can walk, two and a half kilometers, that looks fine. But then over here, it says Desert View Drive, and it says it's 35 kilometers, or 22 miles. And that was when I thought, oh, okay, I guess it's these things that I don't have a feeling for. Obviously, Austria is a very small place, and if you start hiking, even if you lose your way, you will eventually come across a road, a farmhouse, a little town. You can't really get lost. But this here is at a completely different scale, so I think I finally know what these people mean. <laughs> Learn something here. Alright, so we're at the South Rim and we have the Grand Canyon Visitor Center right here. That's probably the first thing you want to visit when you get there. There's also bus parking, bike rentals and a cafe and a little park store. Then over here, there's Market Plaza, so you can take the blue bus along the Yavapai Road to Lot B. There's a lodge, a post office, a market, there's the Shrine of the Ages, which sounds mysterious. Or you might go a little further on the blue bus to the Vercoms Visitor Center right here. There's a community library, a Hopi house right here, El Tova Hotel. I saw that there's some fine dining here. A couple of lodges, Bright Angel. Thunderbird, Muswick, there's a mule barn even. And if you want to go to Hermit's Rest here on the Red Road, just have to note that it's only accessible via shuttle bus from March to November. easy to read. And then here there's some bus rules and some hiking information. I think this one's quite important. Many believe they are strong hikers and a hike into the canyon is easy. Know your limits. 
before hiking into the canyon, please seek advice from a park ranger. As for a hiking brochure, at visitor contact stations. And there are more in-depth information about specific trails, conditions and smart hiking practices at Backcountry Information Center. And it continues over here. Protect the park, protect yourself with some more tips like beat the heat, use free water filling stations, wear sunblock, rest in the shade. When the thunders roar, go indoors. Stay away from exposed areas. Seek shelter in a building. Do not go under a tree and be prepared for any type of weather, including uh, rain, snow, wind, or sun. Then, of course, keep wildlife wild, stay behind railings, and leave what you find. There we are with the village services and facilities and the, where was it, the fine dining at the El Tova Hotel. I also noticed there's, uh, where was it, an ice cream fountain at Bright Angel Lodge. I don't know what an ice cream fountain is, but it sounds like something I want to see at some point and try. Sounds very inviting. Alright, and here we have Hermit's Rest, so accessible via Shelter Bus, March 1st to November 30th. Let's just follow this red route right here. Past Monument Creek Vista. The Abyss, Mojave Point and Hopi Point, Powell Point, Maricopa Point, Trail View Overlook, and then Rebecca Bright Angel Trailhead. So there's the blue route we've just looked at, the orange one. Purple one is the south entrance route. And then right here, we can follow the 35 kilometers long desert view drive. There's some Grandview Point and Grandview Trailhead. Tells you to seek advice here. Not sure how to pronounce this little place. It's more on point. Leap on point and the Tusayan Museum and Ruin. Navajo point. The 
east entrance station and then the desert view watchtower you can go camping in here but only in summer and if you're wondering what the desert view watchtower looks like it's actually this one right here see some people overlooking the canyon on this side and I think that's where I'm taking the big brush there's a case of inversion here with thick clouds in the canyon there on the side, you're above the clouds in the sunshine and you're looking out at these rock formations on the other side so I imagine that was a really, really beautiful trip for Rachel and really impressive. We'll pack these things up again to keep them nice and protected. sleep now. Of course, if you'd like to send me a map or a postcard, the address is in the description box under the video. And for tonight, I'm just wishing you pleasant dreams and I'll see you again next week. Good night.